Hello, everyone. Welcome into I Want to Be A on LJN Radio. In this podcast, we always try to give you the inside information into landing a job and hopefully thriving in a specific profession. This episode is I Want to Be an Architect, and you're actually listening to part two of our conversation with Robert Ivey, a veteran and respected architect, as well as the CEO of the American Institute of Architects. Here in part two, we talk about how a lack of education is actually hurting the industry, as well as the enormous impact of technology. Now, for those entering the workforce, though, or possibly even there, do you see any particular skill that's lacking? Because we hear that a lot in the in the employment world right now that, you know, just isn't a match for skills or people aren't coming out with the proper skills. Do you see any sort of disconnect there in, in architecture? Uh, when you say skill, I would say education. Okay. Uh, rather than a lack of skill, I would say a lack of education. Schools, because they are so um, engaging, uh, focus on design primarily, mm-hmm. but they also focus on architectural history and uh, technology, building technology and computer technology. What I would say that architects need to do better is communicate, which I shared with you, because architects are great talking to each other, but not so great in sharing their stories with other people. That's one. Even though you're taught in school, I, I would say that we need greater skills in communicating. Second, I would say we need more grounding in business because uh, an architectural firm is a business. You have to make a profit or you go out of business. And uh, when I was in school, I had the benefit of taking business law. I would not give a million dollars for the uh, the two business law courses that I took because as a practicing architect, I would say that 30% of my time was in contract resolution. Who knew that when I was in school or it certainly wasn't a preconception that I had. Right. And my background is not unique in that regard. I don't mean from the business law part, but from the business part. Architects have to make a business work. It's a small business typically, uh, but you need to know how to make how to make an enterprise go forward. When it comes to the creative side, when you're talking about you know design, I guess how much freedom do you have, and does it matter, or does it depend if it's a you know a house versus a building? How does that all sort of come to play? What what your vision might be versus what you know the owners might have in mind? Well, any project, Tim, is for someone else, Un- unless you're you know one of the rarefied few who build for themselves. Sure, uh, but but projects are for other people. So any architectural project begins with what we would call in architecture terms, a program. It's what the client wants. So you outline, what does this client want? If it's a school system, they may want an auditorium, seats for uh, rooms for 1,200 students, uh, access for parents to drop off, et cetera. That forms the program that you have to respond to. Additionally, that same client, that school district, for instance, will have a budget. So you have to make whatever project you're going to make fit the program and fit the budget. It has to do both. If you fail in either regard, you failed for the project and you failed for the client. Well, with a budget, you can only build uh, something uh, discreet. You can't, for instance, with a school budget, typically build in marble. You would typically build in concrete block or brick or some other more humble material. Mm -hmm. So when you say, how can a project look? You're already fairly well constrained when you begin a project, and that's not a bad thing. To have limits about what you do helps you construct and make decisions and choices that ultimately result in a project that looks like something. But it it comes down to what's it going to cost and what do you want. 
And those are those are really the two limits. Limits really help you make decisions. And and a lot of architecture is about decision making. Is is this building marble or is it brick? And I can tell you brick costs a lot less than marble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I could figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, right. In terms of technology, you did bring that up briefly there. I mean, how much has that changed the industry? How much has it helped? Has it hurt in any way? What would your sort of take be on the technology aspect? Yeah, there are two types of technology in architecture. The first is building technology, Mm -hmm. and it has made significant strides and advances, and architects uh, need to be and will learn through the course of their education and experience how those technologies come together to make projects. For instance, there's so much more emphasis now on sustainability, and so you have to be able to make a project that stands up well to wind and weather, uh, to earthquakes, and yet performs efficiently, and now more and more efficiently. So the way we make a wall matters. That's one kind of technology, and the kind of air conditioning systems that we put in matter. That's one kind of technology. The second kind of technology is digital technology, and that has to do with the way projects are conceived and drawn. And that has advanced, I would say, light years in a short period of time. We've gone from hand drawing in 30 years from hand drawing, literally where you used ink on right. <laughs> a, a sort of, of a plastic film. That's the way projects were drawn 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. Two, CAD, which literally just was a two-dimensional representation, but it was drawn essentially by machine. So now three-dimensional modeling. And this is now gone another level into what we call building information modeling. Very interesting because we're able to embed information into a 3D model kind of information. Well, information about this particular detail, this kind of window, uh, what's it made out of, what might it cost. So we're able to really understand projects a great deal more than we could in the past. And we can make extremely advanced calculations about how to put things together, literally at the speed of light, something that we could never have done just a few short years ago. We've made tremendous advances in that arena and it's given us new power. Uh, And I would say that has given us new knowledge. Uh, It also puts challenges out in front of us because we can do things too quickly sometimes and Mm -hmm. really need more time to be able to make decisions. That really is a fascinating part of it to me, the the technology side of things. And and as you said, as much as an advantage it is now that you have to have some caution there. I I think that's, a like I said, just a fascinating part of all this. Clearly, you have a passion for this. You've had it. Uh, it comes out in the way you talk about things. But for yourself, what what is it that you really love about that profession, that industry? It really just gets you going. Tim, architects love architecture. <laughs> and it started with me, not just with that chapel that I described to you, but it's been throughout my entire adult life. And I've just come back from uh, actually a, a, a visit uh, in continental Europe and the United Kingdom, England. And you know what I did on our spare time with uh, a friend of mine, and we were there on business. What did we look at? Buildings. <laughs> we went and looked at architecture, great architecture, things that we could never see at home. That's how we spend our spare time. We we live and love this material. And, you know, whether it's Renaissance buildings in Lyon, France, or the latest high-tech building in London by Lord Norman Foster that's busting the limits of what we can do with the environment <laughs> We love this stuff, and we live it. Uh, we love to walk through it. We like to meet the people that make it, and we spend all of our spare time living in this world uh, of architecture. And why not? Because 
we've been given one world, which is the natural world, and everything else, typically, in a major city that you see, is something that an architect made. What about the flip side? It's terms of maybe challenges or, or something in the job, in the profession that you might want to change, or maybe you wish it was done differently. Is there something that, uh, that kind of sticks in the back of your mind with that? A couple of things. One, it's hard to become an architect. We've made it very difficult to become an architect. It, it takes time, and it's a lot of hard work, A. B, architecture is part of the design and construction suite of professions, if you will, <laughs> and it follows the general construction cycles of the economy. Okay. So we've just come through a very difficult period for all of us with the economy, and architecture is often the first thing that picks up again. In fact, the Wall Street Journal follows our measurement. We measure how the billings that firms are producing are going. And right. that's, a, that's a bellwether about how the economy is going to go. Sure, so we're one of the first to pick up and we're also one of the first to drop when the economy cycles down. Because, you know, if you have a choice about making a new house or not, that shows up in our work. So I'd say the, the dangers are, or rather the things I would change are, it's it's too hard to it's very hard to become one and second uh we're hostage in a certain sense to the economy having said that architects by and large do fine and a recent survey showed that by 2014 we're going to have a shortage of architects hmm. so there's much work to be done <laughs> well hopefully people listening to this show this will fire them up a little bit and get you guys some quality people in there that's that's kind of the whole purpose of all this hopefully how about, you know, you mentioned obviously the work and, and sort of the different aspects that are obviously going to be challenging. And yes, you know, if you're in this profession, you love what you're doing and it's really a part of your life. But people are wondering, what is sort of the compensation? If I'm getting into this, if I'm spending this time in school, if I'm going to be working these hours, can you give us sort of a, at least a little window of what the compensation might be like? Yeah, sure. Uh, I would say that, uh, you know, for a, a project architect or someone who's really uh, engaged in making projects with a firm, let's call them a designer or an architect, somebody who's licensed, yeah, they're probably making a little over $70,000 a year. Okay. A senior designer might make right around 100 and a firm principal makes more than that. They might make 130 135 and of course, in a large firm, a principal might make a great deal more than that. We have about 107,000 licensed architects in the United States, and the numbers I quoted you are... I think uh, they're, they're, those are average salaries sure. right, for right. those different roles. So it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, these are good these are good wages, and and architects are highly valued. Uh, yeah, so I'd say that's where we are. As we're getting a little low on time, just a couple more things, really. Uh, you know, you touched on it maybe a little bit, but are there myths out there? Do you think that that maybe harm the profession in some way, or maybe just give architects in some way a bad rap? Any anything that kind of jumps out to you as as a myth? Well, you know, for years, uh, the, the, the movie that everybody had pointed to was The Fountainhead okay. by Ayn Rand and uh, starring Gary Cooper. And it, it, it has the architect as sort of this lone genius who uh, <laughs> is the one who blows up his building when it isn't done properly. And, you know, this very difficult, irascible sort of person who has a worldview that's not like anybody else's. Well, that's not the architect that we see today. Uh, the new generation of architects, they actually work together a lot. It's a very complex project, uh, process of putting projects together. So architects work with a lot of people. They work with teams of people, and they often help guide that process. But it's much less now the, the lone wolf, the genius 
uh, with a cape than it is, uh, I would say, a collaborative effort. And architects are reflective of the period that we live in. We live in a period where people are socially engaged. They're interested in public interest. Uh, they work together. Uh, their goals are somewhat different than their grandparents. So I think if there is a myth, it's that the architect is some sort of lone genius. It's funny in doing all these shows recently that pretty much for each profession, the myths tend to come from either a Hollywood portrayal or a TV sort of look. So it really is kind of scary how influencing those ideas can be. But that's why we're here to sort of bust those myths and get the truth out there. You know, finally, if for those listening again, and we're speaking generalities, obviously, what would you give as sort of that, that piece of advice or, or last message in terms of maybe something you wish you would have known before going in or you think that somebody interested in this field really does need to know before applying to a job or going through the education portion? What would really be your, your last sort of piece of advice you could offer up? I would say stay the course. I would say uh, that it, it, there is a road to be pursued with a lot of opportunities for falling off. Uh, there are people who would say that, you know, you're not a genius or you're not an artist or you're not a this or a that. You're not a, a physics major. No. Are you drawn to this? Do you like it? Uh, can you see a place for yourself in this larger universe? And the answer, if you can answer that in the affirmative, there's probably a place for you. We all have different skills. We all have different talents. And the challenge is going to be finding your particular niche. Perhaps you're not Frank Lloyd Wright and the greatest designer. But as I described to you, there are a world of things that you can do as an architect and that will fully employ and engage your professional capacity, your skills, your knowledge for the rest of your life. And ultimately, you'll be able to make a contribution to make a better world. Well said. And uh, with that, we're going to have to look to wrap things up here on I Want to Be A on LJN Radio. Today's show did focus on the profession of architect, and our expert guest on the subject has been a multi-talented and experienced architect, Robert Ivey, also the CEO of the American Institute of Architects. Robert, thanks a lot for coming on and giving us some insight and knowledge. I really appreciate it today. Tim, enjoyed being with you and have a great day. Of course, we want to know from you, the listeners as well, what positions interest you. So just email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or suggestions for any of our podcasts on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>